Hey Google, can you tell me the last time the Chicago Cubs won the World Series? Digital assistants. We've used them for varying things. Maybe it was checking the weather or setting an alarm. But the use of these assistants continues to evolve. They reside on our desktops, within our phones, and in the speaker that sits on our countertop. And as this digital workforce sits ready in the wings, why are consumers refusing to adopt it at the rate of other technologies? Luckily, Ron Polniapin of Tech Systems is here to answer those questions. On this episode of IT Visionaries, Ram discusses how he and his team are modernizing the digital workforce with an eye on humanization and why unstructured data sets are unlocking more doors for today's companies. Enjoy this episode. IT Visionaries is created by the team at mission.org and brought to you by the Salesforce Customer 360 platform, the number one cloud platform for digital transformation of every experience. Build connected experience, empower every employee, and deliver continuous innovation with the customer at the center of everything you do. Learn more at salesforce.com slash platform. This podcast is created by the team at mission.org. Welcome to another episode of IT Visionaries. I'm Ian Faison, Chief Content Officer here at mission.org. And on the other line, Ram, how's it going? Pretty good. Thank, thanks for inviting me. I'm yeah, looking forward for this great conversation. So how did you get started in technology? I would say this, this goes back uh, to my early days um, when I was a seventh or eighth grader. My father owns a textile manufacturing company. And uh, as we all know, it, this is all labor intensive industry. And uh, he took me to an industry fair, which was uh, happening in Chennai, which in back in India. And uh, it was a pretty phenomenal uh, fair. One thing which stood out was there was a German manufacturer by name Reuter, who had a machine um, which was uh, primarily um, controlled by pneumatic. And this machine reduced uh, the manpower requirement from five people to manage a particular mission that requires just one resource. Uh, that was pretty phenomenal. And then that made me more inquisitive in terms of what automation, what uh, technology can bring to the table. And from then on, no looking back, uh, when I went into college, freshman, then I got a little bit more love and affectionate towards computers. And then uh, life goes on in terms of what that next level of evolution from automation leads to AI and machine learning. Are you working close to customers? Are you working close to product? So um, primarily my role uh, when it comes to looking at that journey. So we have uh, multiple practices within tech systems, global services. Uh, there are 16 plus practices which are out there, out of which I manage a pillar, um, which is primarily around uh, analytics applications. Out of these, um, primarily provide value to them in terms of providing a solution. Uh, the second area of my uh, focus is primarily around helping the customer transform uh, in terms of uh, what technology will uh, will be best for their requirements so that uh, they can build a great career path within the organization. Yeah, and so obviously, you know, you all partner with companies like, you know, Google and Adobe and Salesforce, who's an amazing sponsor of this podcast. 
Um, what do those partnerships look like? So um, partnership is um, very much um, critical in terms of our uh, overall growth engine. So when we look at customers uh, on one side and the vendors on the other side, Salesforce is a great partner of ours. Similarly, we partner with um, Google Cloud and multiple other uh, vendors. When we look at the power of partnership, it is primarily bridging the gap between the customers and the uh, vendors, right? How, how you blend it? Primarily because you are with a customer as a tech systems where you understand the customer's problems, where you understand the customer's gaps in their solution footprint, as well as you understand the customer vision where they want to go. How do you match the solution of your uh, vendor to the gaps that are there in customers uh, to achieve their goals and objectives? And that's where we bring in that merge of bringing great technologies from the vendors uh, uh, into our customers. It is not just bringing from the angle of pointing out this is the right solution, but taking that solution and implementing it successfully for our customers. That's what we are good at. And one of those you know, key areas, obviously, is, is IT support. Do you work with you know, a lot of IT professionals and CIOs and folks like that? Like, who are the primary folks that, that you're, you're talking to? So it used to be uh, mostly IT buyers. When we look at IT support, uh, when we look at customer support. Now, nowadays, what we are also seeing is there is the shift, shift from IT to business as well that is happening. And uh, the kind of uh, people that we work with, I have worked with the CIOs for various organizations and of recently we have been working pretty closely with uh, CFOs and CMOs of the organization primarily because um, that's where people are looking at business value and value generation of the services. So so it is, it is primarily working across the uh, C-levels uh, right from CIOs uh, from the IT perspective and with the shift, we are also working pretty closely with the, the business. So how would you define a digital workforce? So um, if I kind of uh, give you a little bit of uh, background in terms of what a digital workforce is, um, when we are looking at certain tasks or certain work, we primarily work as a team, uh, collaborate, and then deliver that work. So either it could be HR analyst, it could be accounts payable analyst, or it could be a customer support analyst. Now, if I pick up my work, I spend more time in finding a solution, in finding an answer, and less time in analyzing and delivering it, right? So how do I spend more time in analyzing and less time in finding a solution, right? So how do you augment my daily workload? If I, if I am saying that out of my 40 hours, I'm working 55 hours or 60 hours a day. So how do I reduce it? And that's where the new technologies, which are primarily around AI, um, where the augmented 
intelligence come into play, which tries to augment your day-to-day -day work. And if we start extending and expanding that, wherever we are seeing potential for repetitive work, we can look at cutting them down. So, so I think additional workforce is something which complements and supplements and augments our work. At the same time, it also brings in that humanization power to the conversation and make you trust that conversation with the, even if it is a machine. Do you have some examples of, you know, folks who are using machines and AI in that way, you know, that you've worked with? Absolutely. Absolutely. We first um, started our conversational assistant platform. This is built on public cloud. And uh, the, the whole thought process of building this uh, platform was to provide uh, conversational assistant in, in many business functions. And one such is uh, for a large uh, healthcare provider. They are a $40 billion healthcare organization. And uh, the first thing they were looking at was um, they have close to around 100 accounts payable analysts. And uh, their daily job is primarily pick up your invoices, um, your purchase orders, and look at your receipts and then start marking out saying that if the invoices are not matching, which which typically a function of a ERP kind of a solution where which will say that in a three-way matching, this invoice is not matching to the purchase order. This receipt is not matching to your invoice. So all of these um, exceptions are thrown out by your three-way matching from the ERP. But post that is the whole task of picking those invoices and putting that in an email and sending it out to the supplier or sending it to the internal department, asking them to correct their invoices and get that invoices back and then reconciling that and then paying the supply. This is a pretty huge process. And if you think about a $40 million organization, they have 100 accounts payable analysts and they have close to around 400,000 accounts payable invoices in backlog. And they do this job day in and day out. Now, how do you reduce your overload or how do you increase the velocity, right? So that's where we help this organization, primarily by building an intelligent process automation solution where we introduced digital accounts payable analysts which primarily took care of close to around 20 to 30% of the workload. And within the implementation of four months, the 400,000 invoice backlog on a periodic basis, that drastically come down to close to around 280,000 invoices, which is pretty phenomenal, close to around 30%. Yeah, so is it just automating those transactions or how is it doing that? So um, it is multiple ways. So one is, first is picking up the mismatches which is coming from the system. And then uh, intelligently recognizing that uh, sometimes the mismatches are primarily because, and let's say that you are supposed to key in $79. Instead, by mistake, you have keyed in as $790. You just say that this is the mistake I'm finding. It needs to be 79, but this is 790. 
right? So that is done by the cognitive engine, which is an AI-based engine, which identifies that problem. Then comes the closed-loop automation, which is done through an RPA solution, a robotics process automation solution, which primarily helps to create that email, picks up all these invoices and the purchase orders, and have a common saying that, hey, this invoice need to be corrected. This is need to be $79. Instead, you have keyed in as $790. Can you please check and confirm? And then that email goes out. And once the person receives that email and everything, then there is a clear direction in terms of how to resend an updated invoice into the system. So, so they just need to have those instructions. And when they send back, the uh, intelligent process automation again picks up and then closes your transaction and then pushes for approval from the workflow perspective. I think um, that's a pretty phenomenal job because if you if you look at all the steps I'm telling, you are putting in a clerical work of minimum for every invoice which needs for every correction close to around 16 hours. And if this can be done by a bot which is just sitting on a computer and this driving this entire thing uh, and this can be completely done within probably 30 minutes. So do you ever have customers who are you know, like worried about automation or, you know, can I go into the experience that are, you know, worried about this um, type of automation or things like that? It's not a worry about automation. It is always about adoption. So um, people are worried too much in terms of, uh, will my customers feel that they are talking to a robo, right? Or are they talking to a machine? And that's where the the whole concept of uh, humanization, having the right lexicology uh, in terms of your communications and how you want to communicate to make them feel comfortable. Because any technology, any process improvement, really you will get value as much as you get user adoption. And it's a classic case when you dial a call center, uh, for either a product support or you are calling your bank to, to get some information. We never look for those uh, option one, option two, option three. We automatically go to the option where you want to talk to an agent. Uh, how do you reduce it if it is more of a humanized nature from the com- uh, conversation perspective where the person sitting on the other side doesn't know that he is talking to a machine, it becomes more comfortable for them to talk. And that's where you can realize more value from your uh, technology and the investments. So, so I think it's, it's, it's an adoption issue. Many of our customers uh, who were, uh, we have worked with were looking than a resistance uh, to adopt any technology. Switching gears to voice. Um, and kind of the rise of, of voice. Uh, are you seeing customers being able to implement this or are they still kind of like working through the use cases? Voice technology, I think it's, it's early in the stage. Uh, and what I'm seeing 
uh, from the marketplace perspective. Still, applications are built on mobile applications, right? Uh, voice first applications are very less uh, where you want to tap on to Alexa's of the world or tap on to uh, Google Assistant's of the world or Siri of the world. Primarily because I would say that two things, um, those uh, technologies are maturing. I, I own an Alexa three, three and a half years, last three and a half years. And it still sits in my corner of my office. Initially, whenever you talk to Alexa, uh, first thing is, especially for people like me with thick accent, it needs to recognize your voice, your intent, what you are talking about. Now, it, it easily identifies what I'm talking about, right? And that's that's a big learning it had gone through in the last two, two and a half, three years where it starts trying to look at what is your accent, what is your dialect, and sometimes even language. It, it starts understanding you a bit more. And then accordingly, it tries to provide you answers. And voice along with AI, it's a great combination where you want to identify the intent of your conversation, the context of your conversation. And then AI drives in terms of responses back to you. Um, I think on the social world, things have evolved a lot. You can start looking at ordering through your uh, to Amazon through Alexa is, is one use case which is which is out there. You can also look at scheduling. You can look at switching on your home appliances. So all those features and functionalities have evolved in the social world. Now, how do we translate? that into the enterprise world it is slowly evolving i would say in the next three years you would see more and more uh, voice-based applications will come into play and some of them may be proactive right now um, it need not be always you ask something and then that needs to respond back sometimes it could be a push and the push could be that hey there is a meeting which is coming up uh, with ian at 2 p.m. Eastern, and this is the particular meeting, right? If, if my Alexa automatically comes up and tells, and uh, you don't need a, a conference line anymore where you can start talking about or getting into your meeting directly out there. So I think uh, certainly I would say that office or, or uh, productivity or type of applications moving into voice-based, um, and, and even when we are looking at some of the home appliances and everything, I would say that people will be very comfortable in saying or talking to a microwave, right? Uh, and saying that, hey, microwave, keep it at this particular temperature for so much time, just to ensure that uh, it is cooked to the uh, right level. And you can, you can talk rather than setting it up everything through a digital way. I think uh, there is a lot of potential and a lot of companies are looking at piloting, uh, uh, doing a proof of concepts and then evaluating a major uptake. And obviously, you know, with the rise of, of voice and AI and all of this, these companies have large amounts of data. A lot of time it's unstructured data. How do you work with customers around, you know, framing the amount of unstructured data that they have and, and how do you kind of, you know, help support what, what they're doing with their data? So um, 
traditionally, when we look at, um, whenever we say data, it is always numbers. Um, that's how your uh, databases, which have been built for the last two decades, um, either it is a SQL Server database or Oracle database or IBM DB2 databases, they are primarily to handle very structured numerical data set. They were not there for looking at a notes, uh, uh, looking at value of feedback, which has been captured. Um, I think primarily because the technology then was not suitable uh, for uh, handling that kind of an unstructured data. In the, in the last, I would say, six, seven years, uh, evolution of a lot of these social applications and companies who are focused on social, whether it is a Facebook or whether it is Google, they started having these technologies, which are NoSQL, Hadoop kind of technologies, which primarily expanded the possibility of how you can take value out of your unstructured data. Initial unstructured data use cases were more about sentiment analysis. Um, if I am in a B2C uh, organization and I am uh, getting feedback from our customers and customers are saying that feedback about my service or my product, you don't want to read each and every one of those feedback where you are trying to collect hey, how much of these are positive sentiments, how much of these are negative sentiments, how much of these are neutral sentiments. And then based on that, you would say that, okay, my product is doing good because uh, I'm getting too much of positive sentiments. But what are they talking about? And can I go one level deep? Um, that's where uh, there were some difficulties. But now with things around NoSQL explosion, uh, you can get to the level of uh, what they are saying, why they are saying, and what is the intent, what is the context on which they are saying. And that can primarily give a lot more uh, intelligence in terms of improving your product, improving your service, and improving even your approach to your customers. And uh, any company today can handle feedback very well. They are the winners uh, in that race. So taking a step back here, you know, obviously innovation is key, especially in, in a services business to kind of stay up with, uh, with the Joneses, so to speak. How do you view innovation at Tech Systems and how do you look at, you know, just kind of maintaining your edge? What are the things that you're reading and looking at to, to stay up on, on technologies and trends? If I'm looking at consulting companies in the past, so in, a, in a services industry, it is always a headcount business. Uh, how many people you deploy to work? But things are changing. Customers are expecting outcome then you say that I have these skill sets, I can do this work. Uh, in order to provide an outcome and in order to compete in the marketplace, you always need to have those superpowers, superpowers in terms of either innovative uh, technologies or tool sets or even an innovative mindset in terms of how to transform your customers. Because if you look at in the past, uh, the traditional uh, brick and mortar companies, if I take GE or if I am taking Boeing or if I am taking any of the CPG companies, 
you have a pretty structured pattern of operations. You primarily have a um, supply chain, inventory management, you have manufacturing, you have distribution. But what has happened over a period of time in the new age companies which are coming up from startup, they are driving the entire business and the model and everything is changing. Uh, How Uber changed the whole cab and the taxi industry, how Airbnb uh, changed the whole hotel industry. Your innovation is customers' demand. Now, what customers are looking for is customers are not looking for somebody to come in and do what they ask for. Customers are looking for, hey, can you be a partner in my innovation journey? And that's where tech systems come into play, where innovation is in the mindset of each and every individual who are working here. And today we have... uh, Uh, leading some of the areas like uh, conversational assistant platform, intelligent process automation, bringing AI closer to the business and driving uh, business uh, modernization through data. Uh, There are multiple ways that we are helping our customers. And, you know, obviously your customers are in a bunch of different industries. You know, you talked a little bit uh, about some of those, but I'm curious, like, you know, how does your strategy change as you're working with companies with different industries? If I'm looking at some of our industry focuses, if I'm looking at healthcare, um, what is my key uh, driver, uh, which is driving healthcare, which is primarily providing affordable care? If I'm looking at my manufacturing, building products uh, at a lower cost, or high quality. If I'm looking at my oil and gas, how do you produce probably uh, one barrel of oil at a very low, lowest cost possible? Um, so each of the industry has its own uh, main drivers, right? So each one acts on its own based on the uh, industry, based on what their goals and objectives are. But if I'm looking at transforming these industries, if I'm looking at how do I make my care more affordable, how can I reduce cost per barrel in an oil and gas industry lower? The common thing here is having that data. Data within your organization, data outside, And then how do you use that data in order to generate insights to optimize these businesses so that I look at my care and I see at where am I spending more and why am I spending more there? Is there any opportunities for me to optimize? What is my cost of extracting one barrel of oil or crude oil. I think that the common thread between these various industries is your analytics, your insights. And each industry has its own challenges. And we as an organization, we have industry expertise in each one of these industries where we drive the verticalization and the specialization through the common thread of collecting data and organizations more valuable. Okay, let's get into our lightning round questions. These questions are fast and easy, just like Salesforce Customer 360 platform, the number one cloud platform for digital transformation of every experience 
You can go to salesforce.com slash platform to learn more. We love Salesforce. Check them out. Check out the customer 360 platform. Fast and easy questions, Ram. Are you ready? Absolutely. Let's do it. Number one, what app are you using on your phone that is the most fun? I'm using uh, Snapchat and it is fun. It is fun in the sense I'm not too much used to it. And uh, certainly, um, I think for, for somebody who is used to WhatsApp and going to Snapchat, it, it's, it's a fun. What about a favorite book or podcast that you've read or listened to recently? The, the recent book which I'm reading is uh, Discover Your True North. This is by Bill George. This is all about authentic leadership development and really looking forward to hear and, and learn more from this book. What about favorite thing to cook or eat? The favorite cuisine is Thai and I love cooking Thai green curry. What about your hidden talent or passion? Hidden passion is dancing. Certainly I am still learning. I would say that in, in, a, in my talent book, I can rate that as close to around 7.5. <laughs> what do you do for fun? Fun, I try to play um, PlayStation. And uh, I have a recent love towards um, primarily um, Fortnite. Final question. What are you most excited about for the future of technology? I'm, I'm very much uh, into digital twin, primarily bringing augmented reality into the world because there are a lot of jobs where um, we see either in a manufacturing uh, setup or oil and gas setup or even in from healthcare perspective where um, we need uh, people to go to work uh, people to sit there and work. Whereas uh, there is some uh, leisure of IT professionals like me who can sit at home and work. So how do you get some of these hard work jobs to the place where you can work with fun, right? Um, I think that's where the, the gap of the, the uh, in-person versus working remotely comes into play and I'm seeing a lot and more, more and more interested in how the digital twin was evolving where you can operate a train sitting you know, probably at 300 miles away or you can work in a mine or work in high sea um, in doing an oil and gas extraction, uh, completely sitting uh, somewhere uh, in, a, in a pretty nice place in the, in the midst of mountains or just sitting on the beach and still working on. So, so I think that's an area where um, I'm very much keen and interested and I read a lot in order to look at some of those technologies, how they are evolving. Ram, it's been awesome talking to you. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Any final thoughts, any things to plug? No, sir. Thanks a lot. And I really thank you for uh, having me here and thoroughly enjoy. Awesome. Take care. Yeah. Thank you. 
IT Visionaries is created by the team at mission.org and brought to you by the Salesforce Customer 360 platform, the number one cloud platform for digital transformation of every experience. Build connected experience, empower every employee, and deliver continuous innovation with the customer at the center of everything you do. Learn more at salesforce.com slash platform.